Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome uh, to Unsafe Space. This is our daily Kofefi show. Uh, I'm your host, Carter. I am not joined by Carrie yet. She's on her way, but she really wanted me to go live because it's been 15 minutes of her struggling with computer stuff, so she doesn't want you guys to wait any longer. Anyway, we do this show every day, um, live Mondays and Fridays, for those of you who want to join. Uh, I know there's a lot of people in chat already. Carrie will be around, hopefully shortly. Uh, I'm chatting with her on the side while she's dealing with her tech issues, but uh, welcome to everyone who's already here. If you want to uh, support the show, you can go to unsafespace.com slash donate. You can go to Subscribestar. Uh, you can buy merch at the, at our store at unsafespace.com, or you can just like, share, subscribe, hit the notifications button, um, piss off your friends on Facebook by sharing videos. So whatever, whatever works. Uh, the chat's very active already today. Hi, everyone. Shout out to Low Res Boy. Low Res Boy provided the new music to uh, to the intro, which, you know, I like the new music, but then again, I liked the Portal music, so I'm probably not the target audience. I don't know. I know a couple people like the Portal music. Maybe it will return someday, but the Low Res Boy music is better, I think, is more palatable for people. It's less annoying for people. So uh, thank you, Low Res Boy. Also, uh, let's see what we got. I want to thank... Um, Jack, who, for those of you who don't know, Jack is helping us for free. Oh, wait a minute. Carrie's calling. Maybe, I don't know if you can hear that. Let's answer. Here we go. Carrie. Hi. Hi, you're live. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Hi. This has been a nightmare. Look, it's like this, is this going to be like this every time now we do live, there's some kind of tech problem? Uh, I don't know. I, I solved, so I spent actually a while on the phone with um, Ecamm, not on the phone, uh, on email, chat with the Ecamm, and uh, I solved my the problems. I know what they were on my end. So I think now it's just down to you getting Skype to work, uh, which... I don't understand. I think I feel like your computer is a living being and just getting older. I don't understand. What's it going is on. so. Carter and I we did a pre-recorded coffee either yesterday or the day before. Same Skype was doing the same thing, and then then it made me reinstall it, and then it lost all my contacts, and then they repopulated later. But anyway, you guys don't want to hear boring tech problems. It's frustrating enough to go through it. Why should I recount it? How's everyone doing? <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to finish what I was doing when you called, okay. which is I was thanking Jack because he has done. So those of you who don't know who Jack is, he's uh, the guy behind the scenes who is he has a full time job. He just helps us in his spare time, um, which is very generous. And he's been doing Facebook for us. We started with him just doing like helping on Facebook social media because I'm lousy at it. And just I don't actually enjoy social media, really. Um, and he's been doing a great job at that. And also now he's been kind of talking to some of you and collecting ideas for topics. So uh, Jack has been kicking butt. So thank you, Jack. Thank you, Jack. Yeah. Carrie. Yep. <sighs> what do you want to talk about today, Carrie? I have some <laughs> stuff that came from Jack and a few of uh, our listeners, but. Uh, you know how it is when you just are frustrated with technology. I'm just frazzled right now. So why don't you start and get me out of this stupid computer frustration? And so you pick a topic and then I'm sure I'll lighten up and get into other things. Okay. Well, I'm going to pick uh, a topic that, uh, let's see, at least two people shared with us. Um, Wombat of Doom and Taya Peters both shared this with us. And um, it's it's politics. We don't really talk about politics very often, but I want to, I want to, I want to talk about this because it's, uh, it's an obvious thing. I probably have a little rant I could do about it because I was thinking about it earlier, but, um, Okay, I don't also. I also don't watch. You don't watch like mainstream news, I assume, Carrie, right? I just watch clips here and there when there's something. When a bit of the news makes the news, that's when I watch it. <laughs> Fair, similar. So anyway, Tucker Carlson did an excellent um, piece on this, and uh, I recommend everyone watch it. In fact, you know what I'll do? I'll see if I can put. I'll find the link and put it in chat at some point. Uh, but. This, have you heard of the New Way Forward Act, Carrie? The New Way Forward Act? No, I don't, no, I don't think so. What is it? Well, this is a bill sponsored by, uh, I guess there's one main sponsor, 43 co-sponsors of this bill in the House. Uh, it's sponsored by Democrats. 
it includes the entire squad. So AOC and uh, Rashida Tlaib and uh, what's her name? Ayanna Presley and uh, what's the last one? Ilhan Omar. Um, so, you know, automatically, I hate to commit genetic fallacy, but considering where it's coming from, it might be, might want to take special care looking at it to see what it really is. <laughs> it's probably okay. awesome, right? Because it's the no. squad. Yeah. Don't um, use sarcasm. <laughs> it's probably great. So, uh, yeah, so the squad and uh, and 40 of their compatriots, or comrades, as they like to say, uh, co-sponsored this bill, including, uh, Jack pointed out that including one of the co-sponsors is Hank Johnson, who is the guy, I forgot about this politician, he's the guy who was worried that the island of Guam would capsize due to overpopulation. I, I love it when politicians show how smart they are. Um, so, your leaders. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Um, I'm just going to give you a, so Tucker did like a great video with some, a synopsis of this and also, um, Pete, uh, DeBrasco, who I don't follow, maybe I follow him on Twitter, but I don't know him very well. I think he's a conservative dude. Um, he also broke this down. So this is, uh, changing the way that immigration laws are done in the U S in kind of a major way. I mean, I've talked about the immigration act of 1965 previously in, in how that changed, uh, the U.S. in a pretty significant way, even though everyone was told uh, be, it won't have any effect. Don't worry, said both Kennedys uh, and everyone else who was behind the bill. And of course, everything that everyone feared about it at the time is exactly what happened, even though we were assured. I wasn't born. I'm not that old. But even though we were all assured as a population that it wouldn't happen anyway. Similarly, uh, this bill will massively change. I think this bill is potentially has way bigger effects than the Immigration Bill of 1965. It, it's much, much more devastating to America. So for some background, currently uh, we have things like if you're arrested for robbery or fraud or child sexual abuse, anything that counts as a crime of moral turpitude or aggregate, aggravated felony, that's grounds for deportation. Seems reasonable, right? Um, so we require deportation for many of those things, like robbery and fraud and stuff like that. That um, seems and, very, I mean, I, I, that sounds very reasonable. Yes. I don't have a problem with that. Right. We also, for kind of lesser crimes like racketeering, we, we require deportation if you are sentenced to more than a year in jail. Um, which, okay, fine. Um, here's the proposal. And I'm probably going to miss some things, but I'm just going to read off a list of what they would like to do. <clears throat> There's no crime anymore that automatically requires deportation. None. Uh, falsifying a passport is immune from deportation. So go ahead, because, you know, trying to get in here and falsify your documents, fine. Um, wow. Some That's crimes will crazy. allow for deportation only if the sentence is for longer than five years, but... The deportation is completely at the judge's discretion, which includes, quote, humanitarian purposes to assure family unity or when it's otherwise in public interest, which is pretty Wait a damn. minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Immunity for falsifying your document, immigration documents? Yeah, your passport. Mm -hmm. So you can falsify your passport and yes. you have immunity from being deported? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know you thought I misspoke, so... I understand why you wanted to clarify that. <laughs> All right. Um, so, like I said, crimes of moral turpitude are not grounds for turning someone away. Oh, this is, they're not only are they not grounds for deporting, they're not grounds for turning someone away at the border. So, like, if you're a drug lord and you get out of jail, um, you're allowed to just come into the U.S. We can't, we can't oppose your entry into the U.S. because of your criminal record related to moral turpitude crimes. So that's nice. That's um, not smart. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, it's better, Gary. It gets better. Um, it decriminalizes illegal entry completely, even if you've been criminally deported in the past and came back in. It's not illegal. Wow. Okay. So why? How are they selling this? Are they just selling it with? They're, I, I know the SJW left lately. Their favorite way of selling things is if you don't vote for us, or if you don't vote for this, then you're racist. Is it, do they have any arguments beyond that? Or is it simply, if you don't go along with this, you're a bad person? 
Uh, like, I, don't how think are they the, I don't think the I'm left has any arguments, period. That's, that's the argument. You, white supremacy. Yeah. But how would you sell this to people? How white would supremacy. you, in their minds, why is all this a good idea? Because white supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, wait, I'm uh, not done. Uh, okay. Also, uh, they want a five-year statute of limitations for any illegal entry. So once, if you've been in the U.S. for five years and evaded the authorities, done. You can be here forever. The statute of limitations is over. Um, also, not only does it affect deportation, it actually affects detention of criminals. ICE can't detain people um, without proving in court that they are dangerous or a flight risk, but they're not allowed to use the detainee's prior criminal record as evidence of danger. Wow. <laughs> so how do they, yeah, so how do they prove it? This Just is look absurd. at them. I don't know how they prove it. Anyway, um, also, there's a whole vulnerable, vulnerable people's rule, and Pete DeBrasco talked about this. Let me find it. There are special rules in section 102, um, paragraph 6, I think, special rules for vulnerable people. The following people can't be detained by immigration authorities. Anyone who identifies as LGBT... Oh my gosh! Wait, wait <laughs> yeah. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a subjective thing. Identifying as is a subjective thing. So, I mean, that that's absurd. You just create the biggest loophole ever. It's like, well, I identify as LGBT. Do you really? Yeah, I do. So I guess you can't, I guess you can't hold me. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't even have to be smart enough to do that because the next one is non-English speakers. <laughs> <laughs> Then you, again, again, you could just pretend that you don't speak English. I don't know. I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Anyone younger than 21 or older than 60? Because there's no problems with uh, young men and violence. That's not a problem. Uh, so, yeah. Um, there's probably a few others. Oh, there's another thing that uh, Carlson mentioned, which is um, there's this, like, push in this bill. I don't. I haven't read this part. I haven't read the whole bill. The bill is like 4,000 pages. Um, there's a, we're not pages. Is it 4,000? 4,000 words, maybe, I think. I don't know. It's long. Uh, pages is a lot longer than words, though. I haven't read it. It looks long. Um, anyway. Have, okay, but if you're going to have loopholes that are that big and that subjective, why even have why even have it? Why just say you can't detain anyone? Why not just say you can't detain anyone? Well, that's the, you're not supposed to. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the idea. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, wait, here we go. He also talked about that there's like this push to unite families. And so um, <laughs> there, part of this bill includes taxpayers paying for people who've been deported, possibly for criminal reasons, paying for them to come back like flying them back here so they could be reunited with their families. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, so you have to pay for it too is the point. For them to come back? Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry. Carrie thinks I'm making this up. <laughs> she thinks I'm totally making this up. Okay, I'm going to say this caveat. So when... I do think there are obviously some things that need to be approved upon in, in, in our immigration rights in the system. And I think that I, from both a conservative point of view and a liberal point of view, and I, when I was in SJW, I was part of this uh, immigrant rights group called Culture Strike. And we went down to the border and we witnessed a deportation hearing. And it was really uh, somewhat, it just seemed really tragic. It's like uh, they had maybe 20 or 30 guys most of whom didn't appear that they could speak English, um, shackled together. And then they just had, they, they didn't ha they didn't each have their own attorney. So it just, the whole thing seemed like it, it did seem to me, and it still seems to me like there should be a better system where someone should be able to speak with an interpreter and, um, a translator, sorry, and and be able to have instead of sen they sentence them all collectively. It was like a group of thirty people, and I don't think you should be sentenced collectively. You're in this group of thirty different people, and they're going down the line saying, "Are you here illegally? Are you here illegally? Are you here illegally?" And they're all and the one lawyer I think has told them all to say yes, and then they're deported. So I think wait, there are some problems with that. Wait, I have a question. Uh, were but, these people uh, requesting asylum? 
I don't remember. I don't recall. The funny thing is, at the time, I'm not funny, but the sad thing is, when I was in SJW, I didn't have, as you know, I've talked about before, you don't ask a lot of questions. Yeah. You just kind of go in with this attitude of this is wrong, and and you're not really trying to figure out all the nuance of it. And so, well, I don't recall if they were seeking asylum. I don't think they were. Uh, so that's um, why I'm asking because I, I would disagree yeah. with you on something like, okay, I, I don't think there should be interpreters. If you're oh, okay. not seeking asylum and you want to come to a country whose laws are written in English, you need to speak English. And if you can't speak English, that's not our problem. Then you're you're not here. Go away. The laws are written in English. All the things, rules you have to follow are English. All of our infrastructure is funded to teach English. Schools have people who speak English teaching. We can't just like, hey, any language is possible. We don't care. You don't have to speak the language. We'll fit the bill. We'll fit the bill for paying for translators. Why would we do that? What are we? Are we a big charity? What are we? I think, I think a lot of people, I think we do think of ourselves as a big charity. We're not a big charity. Like a, there are, I know, but there it's are, a cultural <sighs> thing, right? Like, we, we think of ourselves that way, don't we? I, we should not, US, because there are right. people who are veterans and uh, native-born Americans that are homeless and poor. And it's, it's not like we're Shangri-La. We don't have—we're massively in debt, by the way. We're, like, trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. We're not a charity, is we're not sitting on a gold mine eating caviar with no problems of our own and we can just like throw some extra cash at people around the world. That's not what we are. We work our asses off to make money to support our families. A lot of us are struggling. Why are we being why are we being taxed so that someone who is going to come in and burden us with having to now have interpreters that are paid for and Th- that will work its way into schools and hospitals and everything else where well people aren't expected to speak English so now you've increased overhead for literally everything why is that happening okay so this is an interesting exercise me uh, talking about this with you and you giving me the counter argument sorry I'm not so, I'm, I'm yelling I don't mean to yell at you I'm just oh no I know you don't um, so so when I was part of this group the way it is talked about and the way it's presented is, um, you know, some of these guys don't even speak Spanish. They speak like different individual, like tribal languages. And so you would need a translator here for like each of these different Abor- uh, Aboriginal languages. And, uh, the, and, and as an SJW leftist, it's weird. It's almost, we've talked about this before. It's almost like they're taught to look at the suffering in the world as something that is the fault of someone else when I was life just going to say that you're yeah. totally right. They think that the re- and actually Carrie, I believe that this is what they're often taught, but I think they honestly believe that the reason that there's a poor country somewhere is because there's a rich country somewhere else. They believe that. Yeah. And, it, and it's almost like if they can look at a horrible circumstance or some, a circumstance that's not ideal you know, that's negative in some way, or that's even tragic in some way. And they can look at it and they are not able to view it as just what is. And one form, one manifestation of something of of some kind of suffering or something negative, they view it as the fault of someone. Right. Like you said, like it's gotta be the fault of someone and there's gotta be some law that we can do and some money that we can take. And, and this is partly, I think a result of the denial of the importance of ideas and um, and the importance of f- specifically, it's part of denying the idea of freedom, personal property rights, um, capitalism, and that kind of thing. And and all you have to really do to look to that is to see the difference between Venezuela and Hong Kong. Venezuela has um, the largest oil reserves on the planet. Now it's not all highest grade oil, but the largest oil reserves on the planet. That's a lot of oil, um, right? That's a lot of crude they could be selling. Yeah. Um, Hong Kong has literally nothing, nothing. There's nothing on Hong Kong. It's just, it's a tiny island. There's nothing there. Um, but look at what happened when Hong Kong was given relative freedom for decades. It grew to be the financial hub of all of Asia. Its standard of living shot through the roof. It's higher on the economic freedom index than the U.S., I believe, still. Um, it's very prosperous. It's having some trouble now that it's part of China, but it's very prosperous. Venezuela, on the other hand, is a complete mess, a complete mess. You've seen uh, the currency drop 
to to where literally it's like in the streets. It's, it's worthless. It's as worthless as toilet paper. You got people killing their pets and finding rats to eat to prevent starvation. It's not about natural resources. It's not about the West stealing natural resources from other people. It's about ideas. Venezuela is full of bad ideas. Hong Kong was built on some good ideas. That's the only difference. And the only way that you can have this stupid idea that like our success is because someone else is poor is if you don't understand the power of ideas. You're just like this stupid um, Neanderthal who looks and like, well, there's more resources over here. The best resource is the human mind. You gotta unlock human potential. That's the key resource. Humans are the most important resource. And if you oppress them and don't let them produce and don't give them freedom, you end up with Venezuela. Sorry, that was another rant, Carrie. No, people like your rants. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm in a ranty mood today. I am. I have a whole nother rant I wanna go on later. Another's like not a word that's a pet well. peeve. I'm sorry for saying it. Okay. Okay, so here's something Nicole said in chat. She said, once they, as soon as they restrict the First and Second Amendments, they're going to come after property rights hard. They've already come after property rights. Every regulation you see is in, in an attack on property rights. Taxes are an attack on property rights. We've already opened the floodgates. We've already, like, uh, Pandora's box is already open. We already accept this idea that our property is not our own. Right. When you're a farmer and you can't plow a field because some jackass from the EPA comes along and says there's some goddamn frog on your land, that's you losing property rights. But you're right. They'll go after them more. I mean, uh, didn't I mention the other week, like the, the house in Oakland, right? The squatters basically strong armed with the help of the city, strong armed the, the owner into giving them the house, buying the house under market value. Yeah. What were you thinking just, with, with uh, property rights? I, I interrupted. I'm sorry I'm in a mood. I interrupted. What were you thinking with property rights? <laughs> you're man, you're, there's got to be a word for mansplaining doesn't quite cut it. There's got to be a word for you man talking over me. Okay. It's man ranting. I'm man ranting. <laughs> you're, ma- you're manting. I'm manting, <laughs> manting today. It's a manting day. Manting. Uh, um, I will, I'll defer I'm, to the ovaries for a minute. Go ahead. I was trying to... So, so I wanted to look this up just to make sure that my memory of what I was told had happened was true because I've never actually read a lot about it. But um, when I was in, I lived in Tanzania for about almost half a year in 1999 for my last year of college. And um, when I was there, President Nyerere died. He'd been, he had been the first president of Tanzania and people mourned for weeks. People walked for weeks to come to the funeral and he was so beloved but then there were also pockets of people who did not love him. And I was trying to understand it at the time. And I don't, do you know anything about him? Not really. So he, Tanzania was one of the few countries that didn't have a civil war. And he was kind of credited with, with preventing that because he instituted this thing called Ujamaa, which means it was like a form of African socialism. And so there's a large, um, there's a pretty significant Indian population in Tanzania and a lot of the Indian Tanzanians did not have as much favorable um, emotion towards him. And I was told it was because he had forcibly taken their property because a lot of the Indian families were more well off. And so he had seized personal property and made it public or given it to other families or something. And he had, so a lot of families, this was, this was like in the sixties. So it was, it was, it was long enough that they knew like their grandparents had gone through this. Right, and, um, right. and he also forcibly moved people around to different parts of the country because there were 120 different or something like that languages and tribes or whatever. And so the idea was to create unity by like forcibly making people integrate with different tribes. And so, um, now I'm saying all this from memory, from what I was told in 1999, which has been quite a while, like 20 years ago, but I, I should really read more on it. But it's funny because now looking back at the time, I just had a lot of, um, it's like this, I had a lot of goodwill towards him just because a lot of the people there did and he passed away and it was, he, he seemed like this saint. But then when I heard that about him moving people, even as an SJW, I was thinking like, that's not really, I don't know if I agree with that. Even then, it kind of pierced it. It kind of pierced my ideology just a little bit to yeah. like forcibly take someone's home or forcibly move them. Now, you may look back and say, 
well, that's what kept us from, you know, that's one of the things that kept us from warring. And it was a good thing. And here's the good concept. But do, do the, that's that whole thing about do the ends justify the means? And what if it hadn't? And well, you're still. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think you also have to ask, what's wrong with war? War is the initiation of the use of force. It's it's hurting other people through the use of force. So did he really avoid? He just had a more uh, civilized war. He hurt people that he chose to hurt. Um, but I don't, you know, yes, a, an outright civil war may have been averted, but that's not. Yeah, you're right. It brings up the end justifies the means thing. I think if you want to look at what's going to happen in the U.S., uh, speaking of Africa, just look at South Africa, right? Look at what happened in I, South Africa is one of these things that no one is paying attention to right now. Oh, someone did. Laura just mentioned this in chat. Wow. Great minds, Laura. Um, yeah. South Africa. So again, one of these people that we are supposed to um, uh, worship and adore was Nelson Mandela. And Nelson Mandela, obviously, there's there's things about him that are admirable. And no one is is saying apartheid was just or moral but he, he was also like implicated in actual terrorist attacks bombing innocent people and stayed in jail because he refused to renounce violence as a means for um uh <laughs> overthrowing the government basically now you can argue that it's it was violence and self-defense but he was like it was terrorist violence he wasn't just advocating we get rid of the people who are uh are in charge doing these things. He was supporting actual terrorist violence. Um, you know, there was songs that uh, his, organ I forget the name of his organization because I read a book on this a while ago. There was songs that they sang about, um, uh, what were they called? What kind of necklace? Some kind of necklace. I forget the name oh. of it, but it's when they like pour gasoline in a tire and a put tire, it around a white yeah. person's neck and light it on fire. Like not the greatest people in the world, but we're supposed to like, ignore all of that because apartheid was so bad, which it was, um, that we're supposed to excuse his behavior. And we put him up on this pedestal as like this peaceful saint. He may have had some good things about him, but the man was basically a Marxist and not a saint. Um, he was opposed to something that we should be opposed to, apartheid. That's good. But it doesn't make him a saint. And if you look at what's happening now in South Africa, they're doing the exact same thing. They're going after um, farmers Dutch farmers, um, many of whom were there long before some of the, the population. South Africa is weird because like the, the black population in South Africa acts like they've been there forever. But in actuality, uh, a lot of the blacks are descended from tribes that came in and conquered the people that were already there after the Dutch, were, many of the Dutch were there. Most of the land was attained through trade. Like, yeah, there's some, there was some fighting, but that was what happened. Like the tribes fought each other. So the idea that like, you know, um, somehow the white farmers that are there now are, are directly responsible for anything. Obviously, they're the descendants. Even if there was wrong done hundreds of years ago, they're literally these farms have been in people's lands for 400 years. And they're they're ignoring crimes against white African farmers. They're they're um, moving to take their land away. They've already taken the land away in some cases. And uh, they're going to cause a famine because uh, guess what? All of the farming expertise and, uh, uh, yeah, basically all the farming expertise and most of the farming is done by a group of people, the white people in South Africa, who uh, are being vilified and driven out of the country and driven off their farms. And that's not going to be good well, for this, anyone. This South Africa is, is falling apart. This has already happened in history many times over. I mean, Jordan Peterson talks about the kulaks in the Soviet Union, how they seized all the farms that the Kulak farmers owned and operated. And then once they had killed all the farmers, the people they gave the farms to couldn't, they didn't know how to farm them. Right. So That's yes. Yeah. So, uh, and then, and then this, didn't this happen in, is it Rhodesia as well? Uh, I think the Rhodesian war, it might've happened, uh, right, right before then or during. Yeah. I think Laura so. probably knows. Laura knows a lot about different African countries, histories. Um, anyway, yeah. Anyway, that, you're right. They're coming after property. And, yeah. Yeah. They're totally going to come after property next. Um, and I just want to say one thing about capitalism, because I know it's a trigger word for people on the left. When I say capitalism, I just mean private property. I mean, 
you have you have a right to your own life. You don't owe anyone anything, and you get to keep the product of your own labor. That's what capitalism is. It's not cronyism. It's not paying Chase Bank. It's not giving Chase Bank special access to the Federal Reserve and newly printed money. It's not a giant system of regulations where Keith in chat can't go start a bank because he doesn't know the right people and have you know uh, the right regulatory compliance. That's not capitalism. That is a form of oligarchy on the way actually to uh, socialism or fascism, depending on how you look at it. socialism and fascism actually aren't that different. Um, so it, this it's big state authoritarianism. Um, it's not it's not capitalism. Capitalism is is basically just private property and individual rights. Um, so I don't know, Carrie. I um. You, did you say you had a second rant in you? I do. I don't know if. Should I do my? It's not a. It's not a long rant. Should I do it or no? How long is it? I need it, to leave in fifteen minutes. Oh, it's less than fifteen minutes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I. But maybe that needs to be said with me, right? Um, <laughs> I no. I here. I wanted to bring up if people are upset about this new way forward act. Like, good. I'm. I'm glad people are upset about that. Um, I think you should be upset. Um. And, you know, I've said this a million times, I'm going to say it again. Politics is downstream from culture, but culture is downstream from philosophy. And there were people before us, decades ago, probably longer, who tried to connect the dots for us. They tried to show us the consequences of letting bad ideas uh, embed themselves in our culture. Uh, Ayn Rand's the most kind of obvious and recent example for me, but there's lots of other people. They they wrote books, they spent their lives, they tried to explain to us what happens when bad philosophy takes hold of a culture. And it takes a long time. And if you recognize the horror of this like new way forward act thing, which by the way, is not gonna pass, right? It's not, it's not gonna pass. Uh, but still, you can see where their intentions. If you see it, and you see that it's nihilistic, Carrie and I, you have talked about, they're not, you and I have talked about uh, like nihilism is underneath all of this. This is the destruction of the US, right? This is nihilism. Um, it's healthy to be angry about that. It's a healthy response. It's healthy to want to fight it. But the point I want to make is there's basically two things that you got to fight. There's two there's two ways you got to fight this evil. And most people are only going to focus on the first way. And the first way is less important. Um, there's the first way is easy. The first way is to fight um, the policy. It's to fight it politically. Um, right. If you've got a if you've got a disease and the symptoms are about to kill you or whatever, they're getting overwhelming. Yeah, you get you got to fight the symptoms. Like I'm not saying don't fight that way. You do. Uh, the symptoms will kill you. You've got to fight the disease. You've got to alleviate those symptoms because um, you got to stay alive. But this part's actually that's actually relatively easy uh, fight compared to the second thing you've got to do. It doesn't require a lot of intellectual energy. Um, you know, you can argue. You can vote people out, um, you can point out the obvious problems with this that are very concrete, that are easy for people to understand. It's a noble battle, but it's not the hardest battle. The hardest battle is the second one. And and I think this is more important. That's a battle to, um, it's a battle to, to protect your kids and your grandkids from, and future generations generally, from the disease itself. And that's a battle of ideas. And it's a battle that most people are just ignore. They fight the first one and then they go off and ignore the second one. And it's because we've not been fighting the second battle that we're in this predicament in the first place. So that's that's how you cure the disease itself, right? Um, this is more uh, this is more than policy proposals. They don't these policy proposals don't spring up out of nowhere, right? AOC isn't just magically born and elected one day. Um, you don't suddenly get sick for no reason. There's a cause here, and the cause is bad ideas, bad philosophy. And if you really want to fight this evil, um, you need to take time to consider the philosophic principles that allow these bad ideas to fester and, and think about the ones, the good philosophic principles that would weed out these bad ideas and promote good ideas. And when, I, when I'm saying philosophic principles, I mean like fundamental concepts around ethics, epistemology, metaphysics, boring stuff that you don't want me to talk about usually, or some people don't, because um, it's not as exciting. Uh, we don't get to quote ALC, um, but the fight, like to, to really fight this actually, um, and not just kick the can down the road, 
we, we have to take back philosophy from the people who destroyed it. We have to take it back from the destroyers. We need to storm the castle. Um, we need to take back this arena of ideas from the demons in academia who've basically been poisoning us for decades and our children. That's what we need to do. That's why I care about talking about philosophy. And that's why I care about talking about ideas. Because the only way that we won't have this kind of crap legislation in the future is if we inoculate our culture with an understanding of sound philosophic principles that don't let this ever get to grow to be this big. That's the end of my rant. I liked it. Oh God. It doesn't have to be boring. I can help you put it in more fun speak. <laughs> I think many people, when they hear the word philosophy, their eyes yeah. glaze over because it's- Oh, they do. You know. Well, they do, yeah. And you say epistemology and their eyes glaze over. You, the, the, it's just a, our vocabulary is a lot more limited today than it used to be. And so it's a, it's a matter of just like not dumbing down what you're saying. That's not what I mean. Just using more of the uh, words that people are used to using today, I guess. Yeah, I'm trying to use the word ideas instead of philosophy a little bit more. Like yeah. it's ideas that matter. People yeah. know the word ideas. Um, Look, people yeah. make fun of Trump for his limited vocabulary, but he's kind of s smart about it. Or it's it's sort of genius because he he puts things in um, bite sound bites and little words. Like he would say, "I like that's a great example." Using ideas instead of philosophy. Yeah, I don't he, think he would ever use the word epistemology. No, I don't think he would ever say epistemology. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not a winning strategy, Carter. <laughs> I'm talking to the people who can go, I'm talking to the smarter people who can go out and, and they're going to get more animated by stuff that maybe be more esoteric and they can go out and they can use the vocabulary however they want. They can, do right. that. I don't know. they can use it. They can use ideas. The word, yeah. Yeah. But it's important, Carrie. And this is why, like, this is why you and I focus on culture and this is why we focus on ideas because, you know, it, at this point, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, trivial for me to be like, well, um, you know, this is, this is, uh, I don't know. This is, if, if I just say something like, well, this is collectivism, it's like, yeah, but that just sounds so vague, but it is right. It is a form of that, but you got to really understand what collectivism is fundamentally and philosophically. When we look at like a lot no, of these no, no. The wait, arguments, wait. it's like, well, this is bad epistemology, but yeah, but what does that mean? And like, how does it manifest itself? That's what I mean. Right. But collectivism, no, you don't want to make it sound like it's too, you, when you say like, oh, you got to really understand what I mean, then it makes it sound hard and difficult. It's not hard and difficult. Like, uh, I agree. Collectivism is simple. Collectivism is simple. It's prioritizing your group over your, the individual. That's it. That's it. If, if somebody can grasp that concept and they can go from there, you don't want to make it sound like this big complex. Oh, I got to go to school for this. No, you don't. Do you believe in a world where your, your race and your sex and your class matter more than who you, your character and your, your ideas and who you are and your behavior? No. So then you're not a collectivist. Well, I, I, I like the collectivist belief system without realizing it. You might think you're an individualist, but you're actually a collectivist. That's when you, that's when, like, in the most basic, easy form of talking about this, that's when I think you can get some people to start to wake up. Because if you ask them, do you believe that your race and sex and stuff should matter more than your character and your behavior and your, uh, the way you treat people, they'll say no. And it's like, well, then, so why are you supporting this idea over here that you're, that you're preaching? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. Collectivism politically is pretty easy to understand. I actually don't think a lot of people understand. It's it's not that hard, I agree. It's just that it does take a moment to like stop and think about. Uh, the hard part for a lot of people is an emotional hard part, not an intellectual hard part. It's hard to stop and realize like, oh, there's a contradiction here and some, like I hold these two beliefs and they're contradictory. That's what's yeah. hard. It's not intellectually oh, yeah, yeah. difficult, it's emotionally difficult. Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. Um, and you know, and even collectivism, like I think, I, think I would it, say, you're emotionally difficult. I'm joking. Right. I'm just make a joke. Right. Never. You didn't laugh. Quarter excellent social you. justice argument. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No. I like. Uh, I am emotionally difficult. I, but I just mean like um, collectivism. You're not. It's a joke. I don't know, Carrie. Uh, fundamental. So I brought this up the other day. I said the public good. There's no such thing as the public good, and we, we, I'm not going to talk about that today. We don't have to argue it. But um, that understanding the why that's a contradictory in terms 
is understanding collectivism. Like it's little things like that, like understanding what collectivism actually is philosophically. It's very simple, but once you understand what it is philosophically, once you understand what it means philosophically, um, it, it's not difficult. It's 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 understanding what what concepts are related to, and the word public relating to one thing, and the word good relating to something else. It's like it's not that hard, but people let collectivist ideas and thoughts slip into their vocabulary because they're not being taught to think about anything from a first principles perspective. They're taught to just kind of treat everything as uh, kind of dis abstracts disconnected from really any principle because philosophy has been destroyed. That's why philosophy has been totally, it's been ruined. Who would want to go to school for philosophy? It's a bunch of people peering into their own navels and, and smoking pot and wondering whether the ceiling exists and arguing that, you know, whiteness is the essence of evil or whatever. It's just crap now, right? No one would want to go study philosophy. I don't blame you, but they've destroyed it. That's not what philosophy is. That's that's all. All right, I it's bored Carrie. It's been a great cafe, Carter. I'll see you on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie. Thank you guys for Have a better me. ending than that. Like, you know, jump up and down. I don't know. Uh, Yell at me. Something. No? I have nothing to say. I was trying to joke with you, and you're so serious. I know. I'm, I'm in done. a ranty mood. <laughs> I mean, I agree with everything you said, so I don't know what I don't have anything else to add. All right, all right. We can. I know you have to go, don't you? You have to. <laughs> have we have to work. Go. That's all. I'm just concerned about. I have to have to get out of here, unfortunately. But thank well, you. Well, someday, Nick. someday, everyone, we will pay Carrie. To not go to work. Is that a deal? Everyone in chat, is that a deal? You're going to help us get big enough where we can pay Carrie so she doesn't have to go to work? Like some kind of epistemological whore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that word means what you think it means, but it's still fine. Oh, yeah, whatever. Okay. All right. Uh, I had fun with you guys. I'm sorry about the tech problems today. We're going to work it out for Monday. I'm going to, it, we'll probably still be using Skype, but I'm going to figure out what's wrong with my computer. And um, thank you for tuning in. And Carter, you don't have to leave. Of course, it's live. I think I just got to go to work. Bye, guys. All right. Bye, Carrie. Bye. I'll stay for a minute. <laughs> I don't know how much longer I'll stay, but bye. <laughs> have a fruitful day. You too, Marianne. Bye. All right, everyone. Carrie's gone. I'm out of rants. I don't really know if I should stay around, but I'm going to look for chat quickly, which will piss people off that are watching this later because it's going to be me staring at the screen. But everyone in chat maybe won't mind. What, what should we talk about in chat? Or, or sorry, in chat, what should we talk about? Any other topics that we want to cover? Um, actually, here, you know what, Jack? I can just mention a few things that have happened in case people didn't see these things in the news. Um, one, of, uh, one of our favorites... <laughs> David Hogg, everyone's favorite. Uh, what were we calling him? Oh, Harvard. Uh, Harvard had a uh, an epiphany the other day. He decided maybe it was time to cancel um, uh, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> he tweeted that Lincoln was a really good president, and then then the woke left got upset. Now I don't think Lincoln was a great president for other reasons, but that's that's a separate issue. So he says Lincoln was a really good president. Uh, but then he got scolded. He was he was uh, he was schooled by the left, and so now he says, "Actually, I was not aware of the scope of how detrimental he was." I'm I'm sorry. This is not worded correctly. I'm just going to read it verbatim. Actually, I was not aware of the scope of how detrimental he was. So many na Native American populations. He was not a really good president. Um, so he's uh, maybe I think I imagine Harvard is very. Uh, very proud of him. The other thing he tweeted recently, I don't like talking about him generally, but he's kind of funny. A majority of the people that live in the United States are the descendants of illegal colonizers that committed a mass genocide. Um, you know, more than this, uh, a majority of people, I, actually, I'll say this, almost everyone on the entire face of the planet is a descendant of someone who, uh, some group that killed some other group for some resource at some point in history. So... Um, welcome. Welcome to the human race. You are part of a group descended from people who killed each other for resources. We can move on now. Um, maybe, maybe they taught him that at Harvard. I don't know. 
Um, let's see. Dr. Carlin says, I saw data the other day saying that men are experiencing loneliness and alienation at work in greater rates than women. And I thought that was interesting. Any thoughts? I haven't seen that. Um, it's not super surprising. Uh, as a guy, um, there's a bunch of things that this could be related to, right? First of all, we already know that there's a war on toxic toxic masculinity, right? There's a war against men generally happening in culture. So um, men are definitely more careful to express themselves at all in any way, um, because, especially at work, because they're afraid. Um, and, you know, I'll just relate my own story. I've said this before. I actually saw an article about this chastising people like me in Silicon Valley uh, a few days ago. Um, but this is something that I've been doing, and I've been open about this. I've been doing this for a year and a half. I've, I, uh, I spent a long time mentoring founders of startups. And because um, I, I was in the venture world, I was an angel investor for over a decade. And I, I spent a lot of time mentoring founders of startups. And uh, coincidentally, it wasn't intentional, but a lot of the people I was mentoring were, were females. And um, I stopped about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, I stopped mentoring females completely. Um, not because I don't want women to succeed, but um, I had this concern that uh, I would be accused of something. And um, there, and I'm you're guilty until proven innocent. And you know, having a meeting with a female founder who perceives you as someone who's in power um, behind closed doors where there's not witnesses just seemed like a really bad idea. In fact, at the time, even even a little bit before that, I was running a venture firm and I told our office manager person that whenever there was a female founder coming in to meet with us, there had to be at least two people in that meeting um, other than the founder uh, so that there was witnesses. Now, you can call that paranoid, but the fact is people's careers get destroyed. And when your career gets destroyed, your family gets destroyed, your, your means of income gets destroyed, um, your reputation is destroyed forever. So it's... Uh, there's definitely, people are definitely taking, men are definitely taking steps to avoid being, uh, being destroyed by a culture that basically views them as guilty until proven innocent in all cases. And so that seems like it would be depressing to me, Dr. Carlin. <laughs> um, it seems like that would lead to some loneliness and alienation. The other thing you see is there's this condemnation of bro culture. They call it bro culture. Um, bro culture is code for like guys talking to each other without a female present. Um, and you know, you don't hear you don't hear condemnation of women's groups, like women talking to each other. You know, there's a, what is it? We're we're coming up on Galentine's Day where single females will go out and hang out together. There's no there's not gonna be articles in Vice about how horrible Galentine's Day is and about how, you know, females are toxic when they hang out and gossip. Uh, but there is a lot of vilification of men hanging out together and talking and that's bro that's bro culture and there's a there's um it's really it's really not uh encouraged to do that kind of thing so um guys don't really guys are rapidly losing um which what I'll call a safe space, which I know is ironic given the name of our channel, but guys are rapidly losing any sort of space in which they can just hang out and be guys without fear of being destroyed and vilified. Um, and so, I don't know, that seems lonely and depressing. Uh, I don't, again, that's just my top, off the top of my head, some thoughts on that. Um, so, um, all right, what else do we have here? Tina Fisk says she likes bro culture. I prefer talking with men most of the time. I can't help it. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I was never super into bro culture, but there is a reason for it. I mean, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. Um, actually, I'll say this, which I'm sure is controversial and horrible. Um, there has been, and I was saying this literally 30 years ago, um, I just wasn't saying it online, uh, but I was saying it to friends. There is a, um, we'll use the word privilege. There is a hot girl privilege. And 
I know most of the ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Um, there's a hot girl privilege. A young, attractive female enters into a workplace or any group. She immediately, um, I'm sure there's discrimination against her as well. I'm sure there's misogynists who look at her as just a piece of meat and blah, blah, blah. I'm sure that happens also. The flip side, there's also a lot of people who um, are overly deferent and overly praise. Uh, they overly praise someone that they, uh, especially a young woman who they think is attractive. So um, it's weird that, you know, uh, the feminists are all about not being viewed as a sexual object and very um, hypersensitive to any sort of uh, mansplaining, misogyny, any, any sort of negative consequences that accrue to them for being obviously female, but they're very blind to the advantages that an obvious, uh, that, that being female has. And there are advantages um, to being a good looking female. And one thing that, the reason that I noticed this, uh, actually a friend of mine noticed this and, and spoke about this literally 30 years ago at work was, there was a woman at work who um, was never very smart, it was never very productive, but she was good looking when she was younger. And, um, what happened is she started to get older and not as good looking and people started to just treat her like everyone else. And she wasn't mistreated. She was just treated normal from what I could tell. She just didn't seem like she was treated like everyone else. But she started to get very angry and felt that she was being mistreated. And it's because her, her expectation of how she should be treated was different. She was used to being put up on a pedestal um, and treated specially because she was hot. And when she ceased to be hot, she was, she was not treated specially anymore. And that can be painful. Um, so... I'm not saying any of this is right or wrong or whatever. I'm just, these are just observations uh, about what's going on. So, uh, and Omar67, uh, who I happen to know is female, says hot girl syndrome is definitely a thing. So, uh, Nicole Pratt says she feels her privilege slipping. So that's one, one of the things I said, to, I don't know if this is TMI, one of the things I said to my wife before we got married was, uh, uh, I said, you know, you're going to be ugly someday. Uh, <laughs> right, you're going to be old and ugly and wrinkly and like, I need to, like, I want to be in a relationship with someone because uh, someone that I'm still going to want to be around and partnered with when they're old and ugly. I'm going to get old and ugly. You're going to get old and ugly. And that's hard for a lot of young women to hear, but uh, it's true. And, um, you know, ignoring it, uh, you know, you ignore reality at your own peril. Reality always wins in the end of the day. So, all right. That's a nice thing to say to your wife. It wasn't how I wooed her, Jane. <laughs> we were just having a deep conversation about like uh, that kind of stuff. And I said, yeah, someday, someday you're going to be old and ugly. You are going to be old and ugly, but I'm going to love her anyway when she's old and ugly because uh, although I think she's attractive, that's not the primary reason that I married her. So anyway, I think I should call it a day, guys, unless there's anything else in chat. Um, thank you, Dr. Carlin, for bringing that up. It's a cool topic. Maybe we can talk about it again Uh in the future. And uh, all right. Have a good day, everyone. Have a good weekend. We will see you on Monday. Same bat time, same bat channel, which I believe is 11 a.m. Pacific time live on Monday. Have a good one.